0: It's another session with the Tri Tech Games Podcast, starring Bruce, John, Trav, Pixie. So sit back and groove with us, cats, as we spin another session of the Tri Tech Games Podcast. Yes, Here's our host We continue our discussion on xenoarchaeology, and now the great machines Which brings us to the next thing you're going to run into: The great machines. Um, the bet the, the Ur example, of course, is the Krell machine from Forbidden Planet. If there ever was a machine, you want a nuke from orbit, that's the one. You know, that was just nothing, you know. It, basically, a great machine is some is a device that the ancients built to do some task. And it's basically, it's, it's able to either uh, ha, has some sort of power source that can't be turned off, or it has some ability to refuel itself. And it's usually the last p- remaining piece of a former race. And every one of them that ever was ever found has been bad news. So, you know, the best we to do is do examples. The Krell, the Krell machine from Forbidden Planet. The Berserkers from Fred Saberhagen's uh, selfsame series of novels and stories. Uh, Berserkers are giant, you know, plant-eating, you know, plant-destroying, life-destroying machines. They're just out to basically kill everything. Uh, the Great Machine of Epsilon Three from uh, Babylon Five. It was—I uh, I always called that one the—it's the OK machine. It's not a great machine, but it's, it's a good OK
1: machine. Um, At least it had, you know, it, it had a rationale for why the thing stayed in operation. There was somebody there keeping it going. All the other ones, like the Krell machine, they're just working, even though they haven't been used for ten billion years. Yes, well, there was a lot of bashras helping, helping
0: the, the the Great Machine, episode three. Vashra, Vashra, come over here. Okay, Vashra, I'll come over here. You know, uh, there's, of course, uh, the Doomsday Machine. It's
1: machi- a Z sound, sir.
0: Yeah, oh, Zathra?
1: Yeah, Zathra. Uh,
0: Zathra, thank you, Zathra. The Doomsday Machine from the uh, Star Trek Star Trek series, uh, series of, self, of the same name, the Doomsday Machine, the, the lead pipe of doom, which is
1: basically... I thought it was a cornucopia.
0: Uh, I just looked at it and said it was the lead pipe. It's basically a version of the Berserker, uh, but it, also from Star Trek, the Pleasure Planet. It basically was a great machine. Its entire purpose was to be a uh, um, sure surely planet you, 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 where you can get killed and then being brought back. We don't want to think too hard about that one. Um, um, and also, I, I, I come to realize another one, Ball from the, that, that other Star Trek episode, the, you know, the Godzilla head. It was another great machine. Um, and, uh, and not so much a great machine, but a great distributed network. Landrew, uh, you know, was another great, was another, uh, I was calling an okay machine. You know, basically you have these, these are all, you know, all from the same series too. Oh, and of course the, um, um, for, you know, the, 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 uh, the asteroid ship. What asteroid ship? Oh, the one with the asteroid ship that basically McCoy went down on, on to, uh, got married, or at least got hooked up. So. Uh, the one with basically, uh, for the world is hollow, for I have touched the sky is the name. Oh, of that one. one. Yeah. Okay. It basically was a great machine. And of course, the asteroid blower, asteroid uh, machine uh, on that one planet with the Native Americans on it. Another great machine. I mean, basically, there's a lot of great machines. Some of them do are, are do good work. Others, you know, you have to really kick in the head to make them do anything useful. Uh, and from uh, another, another literary one is the Tar-Ein Krang from Alan Dean Foster from his uh, Flink's Human Anx Commonwealth series. It's another machine that affected psionics. And it didn't matter who you were, it would it would basically boost your psionics. That's a machine I wouldn't want to see around FTL space. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, great machines, they're always bad news. Now we were talking about this before, and this thing you will find, and next thing is Plague Worlds, and that's the result of the, um, of the Mozbeck-Occatee War. You're going to find Plague Worlds of various sorts, um, and they come in all kinds of flavor. There are the, of course, the, the Plague Worlds that the Akati and the, the, the Poison Akati Worlds that the Mozbek hit, uh, but you can run into other ones. Uh, and, they, and, they, and when you say plague, it covers everything from nanomachines to bio, biological stuff. Um, uh, the, the one is, of course, like the nanoclaps or nanoclips. Uh, nanomachines have taken over. Uh, a great example of your the comic book series, was um, Dirty Pear, Sim Hell. Uh, basically, Earth basically was taken over by nanomachines, it was a singularity event. That didn't quite go. But, you know, no one lands on Earth anymore because it's covered in these nanomachines and nano animals at the macro scale. Basically, it, it converts everything, it converted all the animal life on Earth into these um, machines and into a hive mine. Um, yeah, don't
1: go visit. Well, it, Greg Bear's Blood Music, they had. They did the same thing, except it was a much friendlier hive mind. It actually kept all the humans safe and intact inside of itself, and they could communicate with each other, and they could you know, follow their own interests and such. And occasionally, should the occasion require, you know, they could be reformed up on the surface.
0: Yep. Thank you for that blood music. I'll just add that to the notes. Blood music. Greg by, Bear by Greg Bear yeah and uh, Ken McLoyd's Newton's Wake also takes place in a uh, post-nanoclapse universe uh, world where the machines have taken over and, you know and they got to deal with the fact that you have these uh singularity that didn't invite everybody you know uh, of course then we have grey goo worlds which is the other side of, nano, of nanomachines but in this case it's nano replicators uh it's, a, it's an example of what I can call the Paperclip optimizer. And this is a uh, uh, you may you may have heard of this. A paperclip optimizer is an a, is an AI that's been tasked with making paperclips. And what happens is that it eventually tries to turn everything into paperclips. Um, and because it, it, it has no common sense, it has no morality or ethics, and therefore it just you know makes everything into paperclips. And yeah, that's, uh, and nanoreplicators is just a variation of nanoreplicators make more nanoreplicators and they'll turn about f- the first five to six kilometers of a planet into nanoreplicators. Beyond that, it gets too hot and they die, but you, you're guaranteed that the top surface of the planet is nanoreplicators and it's this gray goo. Um, I would say there's a variation of that one though. Remember the movie Solaris? Uh, either Russian or the George Clooney version. Yeah. But technically, you could say that Solaris is a
1: uh,
0: a combination of Grey Goo slash nanoclaps universe. Basically, it's Nanoclapse millions of years later, where everything's just more or less rendered into this hive mind,
1: Grey Goo. You keep, you keep using this term, hive mind. You know, hive mind, I, I, I see a, a loss of uh, individuality when you do that. And it doesn't have to be that way. As long as, as the people work together to fulfill the stability of the system, uh, there's no need to, to, you know, just like the um, DeMixie and Fringeworthy, they're involved with a hive mine, but they're still quite capable of operating independently.
0: Yeah, or the, or the uh, Kendak of FTL. They, they form basic, well, they form small units of, of uh, group mines, uh in the in that in that one. Uh but yeah. Uh I well, I'm saying basically these are the bad versions where basically individuality's been like wiped out and smeared across the entire consciousness. You know, so there's no individuals left. Um that's always a bad one. Um uh, besides Grey goo, you have Death Worlds. And the best example of that is the series with that same name, Death World. We were basically you know everything on that planet's trying to kill you plants Again, animals
1: you're trying you're you're trying to be made into that planet's ecosystem yeah
0: and yeah and yes uh, both the and i would say both the alien franchise and death World series by harry harrison are both two versions of the uh, two versions of that because as we found out from uh, uh, prometheus the aliens are basically designed to wipe out all life on the in the universe you know, they were basically the the, the 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 progenitors said we don't like what we did. We're going to destroy everything. We will make these aliens who will go and destroy everything. You know, and wherever they go, they'll turn those worlds into death worlds. Besides death worlds, you're going to have like basically singularity ascended. These are where basically the singularity worked, and everyone's ascended. And they all maintain their consciousness identity, and and it's a happy and and, and it's a happy place and. Hopefully they won't try to forcibly ascend you when you come to visit, uh, which you know some people will say. I don't. I like being fleshy right now. Don't make me. Don't don't ascend me. <laughs> but you run into you run into the other problem, which is a like singularity failed. Where well, they it almost worked. There may be one or two colonies out there of of, of minds, but it's pretty much a bunch of failed machines and people living within the ruins. You know, it's basically uh, stay away from the working machines because they may just try again, maybe with this new mine old work. And they'll try to forcibly ascend you, ascend you, but they'll probably crash in the process. Um, and the last one you run into, because it's, it's probably the more dangerous of them are is a mimetic apocalypse world where they use mimetic uh, hacks to basically kill everyone. Or do something, or basically use them in a war that more or less wiped out all the, at least the intelligent population. Now, the good thing about memetic hacks is that they are very much based on how your brain is put together. How it's wired and how everything works. Do you have enough eyes, you know, for the neural receptors? You know, oh, you only have two eyes. Ah, you'll get a headache looking at this. You know, if you're lucky, that's all you get is a headache. Um, if you're unlucky, it may hack you, but not in the way it was intended. And we'll leave that to the GMs to determine how that, how that worked, you know, cause it may hack, you may turn into a homicidal maniac. You may just turn into, um, a guy sits in the corner and drools that you don't know. Uh, like I said, it was Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Uh, it a great example of, of, of something like that. Um. And yeah, these, are, you know, and of course, the second you find out is when the guy next to you starts going. Yep, dip, 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 dip. Okay, hack, visors on. Nice. The good thing about the visual mimetic hacks, you can easily foil most of them with static in the image. That usually is enough to foil them. And if you have white noise in the background, you can probably f- foil uh, many audio hacks. So y- there are some defenses you can put up. So you don't become a drooling idiot when you're working with, when you're in a place like this, and these are, are rare finds. But if you do find them, that means there's probably something operational here, here still delivering these hacks. And hey, you know, once you figure out how to defend against it, let's go after the machine. If that machine's still operational, I want to know why and how it's still operational.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's incredibly durable technology. If it's still employing these mimetic hacks tens of thousands of years later yeah that's god tech as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah yeah Uh, speaking of gods how about fallen ones because the other thing you may find when you're out there are fallen cultures you know you you pull an orbit and you determine okay there's people down there but the highest tech we can determine is you know sharpen rocks and make fire right next to the um 20-story building with iron with iron um girders. What happened here? Well, you may run into a culture that well gave up the whole technology thing and decided to go back to to the simpler life. Uh and we actually have a real life example of that. The Mayans. Base you know, what happened to the Mayans? Well, they're still in the Yucatan, they're still in, in that area. They just simply decided that cities weren't their thing and gave up. Now I'm, I'm really simplifying it, but basically the minds abandoned cities. They just didn't want to do cities no more and they gave up on them. And the minds did, did, didn't disappear. They just went back to the forest and lived a simpler life. But yeah. Well, some God King yelling at them to, to sacrifice, sacrifice. You know, you might run into. Um, um, uh, the, a culture that once, you know, it hit the heights, and now it's just waiting for everything to end. They they never developed FTL, and they may have never even left their start their planet. This can ha- this can happen on a um, high G world, you know. If it's three, four Gs, yeah, barring nuclear weapons, you're not getting off that planet, and you know, easily. Or if you can you' you can you know, one person can get off on, a, on a, a spacecraft twice the size or three times the size of the Saturn V
1: no, you just need an orion drive that's all
0: that's what yeah my nuclear yeah nuclear yeah nuclear drives, yeah, the Orion drive would get you off, but still you know some people may say, well that's will spread radiation in the atmosphere we can't we can't do that, so they they shoot themselves <laughs> in the yeah. I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Yeah, it sucks to be you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The guys say, you know, you know, the Elon Musk say bye bye, and while Sarah goes, oh, he's gone, thank God. (laughs) Um,
1: where's that rat Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Then you may actually, of course, you may come across uh, cultures or cultures who basically are in the process of destroying themselves. We're talking, you know, world wars. No, uh, the, uh you know, too many Star Trek shows to mention about that. You know, too many, too many shows, period. Science fiction shows about cultures destroying themselves. Uh, one Uh H. Bean Piper's lost novel, First Cycle, was about two cultures that grew up on neighboring planets. You know, w- you know, they basically were like about a couple of days apart from each other. Travel wise basically went to war and blew themselves up and blew each other up, you know, things like that. You're right. And you're running into it. Now they're in a process of nuking the crap out of each other or dropping rocks on them or something. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's always, you know, sit back and get the popcorn out and watch because you're not going to stop them, but you do have a bunch of new digs to go to. They're fresh. Yeah. Just got where you're, just get wear, your, wear your radiation suits. Uh, and then along that with that with that are the, I call the fifth cycle cultures. Uh, the, the 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 poster boy for that are the Moties from the uh, the Moten God's Eye by Larry Niven and uh, Jerry Purnell. Basically, the Moties would uh, there are species that, that speciated into different groups. Uh, they have four they they basically the species they are he- they're hexapods in their world that is they have six arms. except Modi's only have five arms. the arms on one side merge together it's one massive arm and they have two normal arms on the other side and they basically breed well rabbits don't breed as fast as they do uh they breed and in fact their entire life cycle is based on breeding. If they don't breed, they die literally they die. So they go through a breeding cycle. So they do have these massive population cycles and they climb and they crash and they climb and they crash. Uh, The Modi's uh, prevented, prevented a complete crash by making sure they have time capsules everywhere that contain information so that when they crash, they know what to do to come back out out of the crash. And they also have also spacefaring civilization and neither one of them crashed at the same time so the plant will crash and the space will be okay the space will crash and the plant's okay but so yeah it's it, it they never synced up which is which was, which was a good thing um oh here's uh, Now, the next one is I, I like to call this it's the pet worlds the legacy worlds you know where you land and, you know, and they didn't build what's here they're just using what was left by master uh, there are too many examples of this also to talk about, but uh, the ones that people might have heard of, uh, Planet of the Apes. What, what what were apes in the original series? They were pets, and they took yeah. out and they killed everyone. And took over.
1: Um, no, 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 they were workers. Well, yeah, I mean, as soon as they got found out that they could be trained effectively, they immediately put them to work.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, after the great dog and cat plague, which killed off all the pets. you got to watch the original Planet of the Apes series. Albedo, uh, the uh, comic series, takes place in a universe where you have all these uplifted animals. Cats, raccoons, pandas, rabbits. Um, and they and they were uplifted uh, by some previous race. Uh, it turns out it was humans. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Bryn's Uplift series. Every race in the Brin's Up of series, except for the first one, are are animals that were turned into well intelligent species, and they all consider humans to be one of those
1: one of those groups. Yes, except that we're wolflings because we don't have someone who uplifted us. Well, we don't have a master who claims us. We don't have anybody who. Well, they're assuming we were uplifted. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. We don't. They can't prove it. That's the point. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah.
1: 'Cause otherwise that's a religious cause that's a religious thing <laughs> from their point of view. Yes, it's very <laughs> religious to them. The fact that we don't have anybody who, you know, are our masters who have uplifted us that we owe fealty to really throws their entire galactic culture into a tailspin. Yeah.
0: And these pet worlds may or may may or may not be monitored by uh, various uh, by elder races. I mean, my my example I gave was the shadows and Vorlons or other elder races. that are sitting back and just watching, and waiting. You know, uh, you have to read up the entire background of what on Babylon Five and uh, on the Vorlon Shadow Wars understand it was basically two groups saying my my concepts right, your concepts wrong. Literally. It was an
1: ideological war. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's, yeah. And of course, there's one place that you'll find it, because you'll know, because you'll know it from 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 uh, your planetary surveys. I call them the green glass worlds, where somebody basically it wasn't a nuclear war, it was a nuclear annihilation. Don't you know what they use, But basically, a good portion of the planet is a couple centimeters thick green glass. And you have to ask yourself, and these are probably places like, these are probably the, the remains of the, of the mosbach Akati war. These are worlds that were literally torched until they glowed. And you may find something because, you know, unless, unless you're able to melt the crust down to several meters thi- deep, there may be things down there. You just got to sort of dig through the glass to find it. Uh, it shouldn't be radioactive. <coughs> Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> Uh yeah, oh, and my favorite, the big dumb objects. You know, um, they they may be also a great machine, or they may just be big dumb objects. Uh, examples are like sl- slower than like generation ships. Um, gaming examples: Metamorphosis Alpha is a uh, is a um, uh, generation ship. Uh, Rama from the Arthur C. Clarke series. Um, the Star Lost, you know, tracing that one up
1: from the past. Ever, ever see The Star Lost, Trav? Not, you can you describe it again? The but... Star Lost. It was a Canadian science fiction film, uh, our series, uh, that was, um, the, the pilot of which was novelized by Harlan Ellison, uh, since he was the primary writer for it, um, as Phoenix Without Ashes. Yeah which
0: is a much better story than, than the series. Of Th- course it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> the, you know, it, 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 let's, there's no point in getting into it, but uh, you had a, a number of biospheres that were all connected to a main, um, let's say, backbone of a ship. And uh, our heroes went from one biosphere to the other, trying to find their way to the bridge where they could actually start the ship up. It was very much like the um uh, I think the 6th episode of The Oroville, which is the new series that's on television right now on Fox. It's the series that had Walter Koenig as an alien.
0: And you knew ah. he, and you knew he's alien because he was dressed in gold lame. Oh, you're looking at I'm looking at a picture saying, "Yeah, he's saying, they're, they're paying me for this so I can do it. They're paying me for this so I can do it." <laughs> Uh, and I said the, the ship Yonada, that's the name of it. The U- Yonada from the Star Trek episode for the world is hollow. And I, and I have touched the sky. Another example of a, both a combination of generation ship and a great machine. Uh, other big dumb objects, space colonies, you know, as, as we pointed out before, you know, you got, you know, you got your O'Neill cylinders, your Bernal spheres, your, your, um, uh, other things. Um, Most of them, if if they're still if they're still operational, there may be people on board. But you know, understand. Once they lose the ability to go into space, they're never leaving those things. And those are closed ecosystems. And closed ecosystems, unless you really got it right, don't last long.
1: Basically, there's always loss. And yeah, they could be ours. uh, Ours lasted a long time. We're a closed ecosystem. No, we're not we get our energy from the sun oh please we also get we also get
0: we also get a constant influx of, of dust so it's always which
1: does nothing eh. there's no there's no benefit from that dust we also got a lot of recycling going on too yeah of course well a closed and when you talk about a closed system we're assuming that there's recycling going on oh yeah
0: but you know if you dig down far enough you hit you know regolith or whatever they use to make the whole the hell sh- uh, of the colony and there's nothing else. These are much more extreme examples, and uh, and you know they can fail, and their failure modes are fairly are, are fairly narrow, and well, not fairly narrow. Basically, they, they can fail fairly easy if you don't if you don't you know maintain them properly, and if you don't want to maintain them, they're going to fail. You know, all you need is one. Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. But anyway. they fail easily, John. Okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Uh, then of course you got your planetary scale structures, you know, halos from the series from the, from the game system called Halo, um, uh, or or you have things like I don't suppose either you have seen the the anime uh, Dirty Pair Project Eden. Yes. Ah, then you remember from the opening scenes the big ring around the planet. Uh huh. You might see something like that. You might find something basically someone really got crazy and decided to build. Not just space
1: elders, they built an entire ring around their planet. Right. That's the basis for uh Earth 2. Yep. Everybody lives on that ring. And then they and then a group of them leave to go to a new planet, which is what they call Earth 2.
0: Uh and I, I do include the planetary shield around Duridia in space balls. It's another planetary scale structure. Uh and and if you've ever seen the anime series Last Exile, um, there are two planets. Well, we don't know there are two planets. We do, but we find out basically it's an artificial world in our hourglass-shaped container, basically. And yeah, it's 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 a strange. It's a great series. Watch it. Uh, it's available in very in many places. Um, then we Crunchy get it. Roll is
1: Crunchyroll is probably your best location.
0: Yep, yep, and you can also probably catch its sequels too there. Actually, has three sequ- two sequels, and I've never seen one of- either one of them. I should catch one. He's besides point. We talk about halos, which are little, which are small rings. Then we actually have the um, solar system scale structures like ring world, you know, or an Alderson disk or a Dyson sphere. So let me explain each one. A ring world is basically what it sounds like. It's a ring, and it's spun up, and it's Basically provides gravity by spinning. Um, as Larry Niven pointed out, um, it takes something that actually has tensile strength greater than the strongest thing we can work we can make right now, and probably stronger than we can make in the near hundred years. Uh, it's called scrith. It's an incredibly strong metal, or well, something it's a strong material. Don't know if it's metal but it's incredibly strong, and it's also more or less totally frictionless as well. The bits of script that were exposed um, basically uh, were slippery as glass. You know, it's oiled glass, make it even worse. Um, And Alderson Alderson Disc is a... best way to describe it is the way Alderson described it. Imagine a phonograph record. Oh, wait a second. Imagine a CD. There we go. (laughs) basically it's a disc with a hole in the center. You put the sun in the center of the hole and you spin the disc. And you have different uh, you know, different areas of habitation and then gravity comes from the spinning disk. And of course the closer you get, the faster it spins, and the farther you go out, the slower it spins. No, backwards. It's close, the other way around.
1: Thank you. I just realized that too. Uh and, close And and they and they don't spin any faster or slower unless they're separate parts.
0: Yeah, no, in this case, but yeah. But it basically is a way to actually have, and everything's sort of built at an angle. Uh, so you, everything can catch the light, and uh, it's another way of li- uh, living. Uh, and then, of course, the biggest misunderstood one is Dyson Spheres. No, they're not solid. As described by Freeman Dyson, they are, in fact, a bunch of smaller objects in orbit around a, a star such that they completely block all its light. It's a sign of what's called a Kardashev two civilization. Uh, there's a scale of planetary uh, civilizations. Uh, this is actually it was not invented by 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 a fellow by the name of Kardashev. Uh, Kardashev one, basically you've you've got planetary level control of energy. Basically, whatever energy that falls on your planet from your star, you control that mount that much energy, and we're talking we are nowhere near that right now if you look at the world's energy budget we're hitting about 1% of that at best yeah we're nowhere near that um f 2 you're capturing all the energy of your star so yeah that's 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 a fair number Chef 3 you're capturing all the energy the energy output of your galaxy and i don't know of any galaxy. I don't know of any, 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 any
1: science fiction species out there that hit the Cardiff 3 level. Well, you remember, you know, when you say your galaxy, you're talking about a galaxy worth of energy. You could, uh, mm-hmm. you could uh, do some kind of a structure with a quasar in the center and yeah. you would be getting a galaxy worth of energy. That's true. One star. That's true. In that case it sort of puts the, uh, tr- the termelon
0: in that in that rate ratio then they're using black holes to, to power thing power individual uh portals uh, that definitely puts them into when you have a million million worlds and each one of them being powered by into each portal being powered by a black hole you're hitting
1: multiple yeah, black yeah, holes multiple black holes you're hitting that and a level. dwarf and a dwarf star and a dwarf star yeah
0: he's so cute he's a dwarf star anyway uh <laughs> Uh,
1: hey, hey, no, 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 no size <laughs> shaming here. I was just about to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and then there's the next scale, which is interstellar objects. There's a thing called the Tapalala Tap It's a tube, one AU across, light years long, and it spins. And you send stars down it for light. You send stars down it. Yes. And it spins. Oh my God. Yeah, and of course there's the mega Dyson sphere, which is basically the equivalent around a galaxy. You know, we haven't seen one of those yet, but yeah, that's things. The, those, that, but that's you know that that scale. That's if you know in an FTL universe, you find a tapo you're, you're fine.
1: Okay, try to try put the accent someplace else. Topopolis. Topopolis. Thank you, Bruce.
0: <laughs> Topopolis. you find uh, That's Topopolis, that is definitely in the God-level, Kardashev-3-level species. I mean, they're building structures that stretch for light years. Uh, this, the the, the, the um, object itself was described to be about 100 light years long. And yeah. no idea how to build it.
1: But right. That's one of the things when um, you know. Uh, oh shoot, uh, Gunbuster three and some of those other ones. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, 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 what was it uh, is it Tegengaren? I can't pronounce it. Tegan- uh, yeah, yeah. But it, at the end of it, they've got this one. This this supposedly like you know giant mech that is larger than essentially the universe. And see, the thing that that you know you see it moving around. But what you don't understand is the fact is that for it to move That means that every part of it has to be moving faster than the speed of light Because otherwise it it would, you know In the scale we're talking about, you'd never see it move at all So we're talking about like mega speed travel And only that, but you also have the ability for it to to coordinate itself therefore you've got faster light communication and everything else you know distribution of energy at a you know at a, at a massively faster than light speed so mm. it's, you know that, that's the problem that most of the uh, of the things that i see with these mega type things is that you know mostly you see these gigantic structures that don't really seem to move because they're so gigantic and if they do move then they're moving faster than the speed of light
0: yeah, or just under the speed of light, but in that case... one. No, one, then, you,
1: then you have multiple, um, you know, uh, you yeah, have that whole issue about the mass, John. So yeah. it makes it a lot... It's, it's, it's easier to actually have a part of your structure jump to light speed, okay, by whatever means you need to do that, mm-hmm. and move around, okay, and drop back out when it's done, oh, okay, yeah. then, then to try to move it close to the speed of light with all that mass.
0: yeah. I mean, a would be a great thing to find in Fringeworthy. You know, it's it, it, you know, you think we're on Earth, right? You look up, do you see something on the Earth side uh, in the sky? It looks like mountains, and then you realize everything curves up. It takes
1: a while for the curve. Because yeah, I, I I had a world ship in one of my uh, Fringeworthy games that, ah. that essentially was two hundred fifty thousand miles across. Ooh. Big. And so, do you and know yes. what some of this, John? Do you know what some of this, this, these massive structures? What comes to mind? What hardwired hinterland?
0: Yep. Yeah, it's it's a uh, what was it?
1: I, I forgot how big it is. One AU across. There. Okay. You know, there's never been anything officially published yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Richard Hinterland. I have my own ideas about what what makes hardwired hinterland work. Yeah. Which I like a lot better than some of the other theories I've heard. But, oh, yeah. anyways, back to, you know, xenoarchaeology. Yeah. So, again, what does all this have to do with xenoarchaeology again, John? These gigantic structures and such? Because a lot of
0: these things will be, I mean, basically, if you look at the novel Ringworld, it was basically an archaeological expedition to an ancient structure, trying to figure out who built it. I mean, the, you know, unless unless they're totally active, which means they'd be active in FTL. In Isco in Isco affairs, these are usually, well, the 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 caretaker is no longer at home, and the mice are in charge now. You know, it's basically a lot of these objects. You know, either the people are saying go away, leave us alone, or you know, no one's at home, or no one's at home. No no one's at home knows how the how how the thing works, or even that they're in it, such a structure. When you get when some of these really really big ones. They don't know they're on a they're on a ring world or a Alderson or uh, disc. All they know is that they're on their wor- on their world, and they've lost all their technology. and And the technology is someplace, and it may be. And you might be able to find it. You might find.
1: Well, they they may not have lost it, John. They may have. Um. Uh. Oh. Um. Uh, they may have turned it into a religion. They They may, have, they, they may yeah. have turned their because that's what they did in uh, uh, Orphans in the Sky, Heinlein's yes. book. Okay, uh, you know they, they they had all these rituals for feeding the holy flame, which was the uh, fusion engine that mm-hmm. kept everything going on the ship. Even though the ship was adrift in space, they still needed power. And by following the rituals, you know, even though they could didn't understand what they meant, they still were able to keep everything working correctly.
0: Yeah yeah I yeah totally agree but yeah or the or there's enough automation going that basically it's just waiting for someone to come along with the right with the right password and no one so far come about, come along but nothing's broken so we're okay you know everything's fine. You know I'm fine. Nothing's unfair. Wait for the right
1: genetic code to ma- to to finally reemerge. <laughs> yeah, that, that that stuff. I mean, there's. Another... I'm the chosen. Mm-hmm. How are you the chosen? Because I can do this, and he puts his hand up on the side of the door, and the door opens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, there's one where I didn't add in there because it's it's a really weird one. It's um. Uh, did you ever read the novel by Larry Niven called Integral Trees? Yeah, it's
1: a, it's a. This, this, this. <laughs> There's very few things I probably haven't read, John. If it was written 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, that's why my re- suggested reading list. I try to pull some things from this cent- this century in the list. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, there was a, a neutron star, and it had a gas ring around it. Well, part of the gas ring was an oxygen atmosphere, and there's people, and there's these giant. Integral trees, kilometers long. That's you know, provide a place to live. And yeah, they're living around a neutron star. You know, this is you know, and the ship's out there someplace. And the, there's that dwarf guy who basically only can fit into the special armor, i.e., the spacesuit, <laughs> or work with the old machines. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's this is a uh, it's actually another place you could probably could run into. Uh, we're not worried about you know, but yeah, a lot of these things are going to be abandoned machines. I mean, you, want, you know, or if they're not abandoned, the people there may not know know how to build them anymore, or may, or may like like Bruce said, they if we do this, if we do this thing, and we do it, you know, every so many cycles, everything's fine, and if we don't do it, things go bad. So we make sure we do it every every sixteen cycles. We do this,
1: you know. Gods get angry if we don't do it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, so and 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 the light shuts down and the water stops flowing because the gods are angry. Yeah, or you know, and there and the thing is, if you look at FTL. There are, I
0: think, six proscribed worlds. They they are basically for you know, forbidden to enter basically. And I'm looking at those saying, how many of those worlds are actually proscribed because they are a backward race, and they're not a race being protected by a bunch of vols. You know, you go overhead, and you look down, and you see all these lights, and everyone's a Godzilla head. And, yeah, you know, if you get too close, Vol lets you know you're too close. And like I said, you know, there are no magical force shields to protect you. You know, Vol hit you with something equivalent to an X-ray laser, you're dead. <sighs> you know, maybe the reason why these worlds are, you know, are prescribed is not because they're backwards, is because they're being protected by something. Go there under your own risk, but we're not going to tell you that. Tell you this because if we told you this, everyone and their cousin would go there. <laughs> so we make it look like they sound like they... oh yeah, they barely know how to use uh, you know, flint and steel and make rock tools. Oh, they're 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 yeah yeah, forget that and leave them alone. And the reason why they only know how to use flint and tools is because Vol teaches Vol. That's that's the most technology Vol lets them have. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, a. Of course, you know, Vols an example of a, a, a basically a, ver- a version of the Krell machine. You know, he was given one command: make my make our life simple and easy. And he did. He Now he removed any form of curiosity from the people. Uh, he also made everything easy. And he said, "You know what? Sex is a hard thing, so we're gonna remove your sex, remove sex as well. I'll make everyone who needs to be made, and you'll all live happily in the simple and easy life you all wanted." You know, and it's, hey, you know, I'll leave Vol alone at that point. Everything's happy down there. And yeah, if, you, if you get rid of Vol, everyone dies in 20 years because he can't make kids. So, you know what? Leave Vol alone. <laughs> Even though he's probably some high
1: tech you really want to get at. Trouble is Vol doesn't like that. Well, as, as you find in the Star Trek universe, you know, you're tripping over tech. I mean, okay, somebody doesn't want to give you tech. Oh no, here, let me go on another five year mission and I've got like, you know, you know, trans warp drive. Or I got mushroom drive, one or the other, you know. Uh I mean, it's it's ridiculous how much tech tech there is in the Star Trek universe. So you oh, know yeah. it's oh, you, yeah. you, you, it, it's like it's the only source for X. Well then we'll use Y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, Not the only possibility, you know?
0: Yeah, But xenoarchaeology Archaeology is a great way to develop the backstory of, of your world. I mean, even if you don't use it for FTL, say, use it for Incursion. Incursion is another great setting where xenoarchaeology Archaeology is practiced as a religious as a religion. Because everyone wants to learn more about the Ashani. And they want more Ashani stuff. And the only way to get it is to find old Ashani uh, sites and dig them. And thank, be thankful the Ashani were pacifists. So you know, the worst that happens is that you
1: end up singing and dancing until you until you leave the planet, you know. Well, the most valuable thing that you can get from the Ashani is more white boxes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Or ships. You know. Well, you know, supposedly all of those have been found. So yeah. Oh no, I, I, I did an estimate one time.
0: There, the um, if if there were a million Ashani ships, just following with me. Based on the, on, the, on the cubic volume of the galaxy, that's one ship per 100,000 cubic light years. There are more that's habitable that's... planets than there are shiny ships.
1: Well, that's, that's obviously true.
0: Yeah. So even a million, they're still rare as hen's teeth. You know, and they're probably all in one, one or two locations, like basically big old shipyards. I mean, where did the the Castapenor find all those ships they had? They probably found a shipyard and raided it for every ship they could find. You know, it's you know it's one of those things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of fallen races in the in the U-icrucian universe. So yeah, you come along, you'll find some ruins, and hey, you know, let's see what's in there. We might be able to sell it the next world, next world over. So, yeah, there's plenty of reasons for doing an anthropological dig uh, on an alien world. You can make money. I mean, that's the biggest thing right there. Or have adventures. I mean, I thought some scenario ideas that you could potentially run into. Uh, One, so, of course, I could go for the most complicated one. You're on a world, you're digging, you find a site. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's a simple site. You find a lot of uh, rocks and so forth. Um, There are some locals. We haven't met them yet because they've stayed away. Um, and then you're hit by Jackers, you know, they showed up and they're looking for where any good things you found you, the players aren't there at camp when it happens. You do get the message that we're being attacked. So you go look for shelter and you find this cave. This cave turns out to be actually a hole in the side of a ship that's been buried for many years. You don't know sure how long it's been buried, but it's been buried for a while But to make matters worse, as you go, make your way through the ship, you find the first body. It's a mummified Vesh. He's been here for at least 100,000 years. Mmm. And the thing is, he's not just dead. He's positioned. He's got his arms crossed. He's been laid out. 100,000 years ago? Yeah.
1: Why would anybody care?
0: Well, because you're inside a Vesh ship. So? Vesh used biology. This the, the their ships were Vesh, okay, yeah. So you're inside basically a Vesh ship, and, and it's biological. The you know remember you said and Richard agree with this. The Vesh are basically these, are the soldiers of, of Temelin who basically didn't go and develop into interdimensional uh, you know fringes, but basically went the other way and became well berserkers and started destroying worlds, and for resources
1: and they're right they well. Go- Still, the point is if, if it's the side of a vest ship and it's 100,000 years, that's a petrified vest ship. That's true. It's not, it's not a living vest ship. Well, you hope not. <laughs> it better not be. I mean, is it, what's it been living off of for the last 100,000 years? That's a good question.
0: Oh, well, if, there you
1: go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and
0: if you go in, make matters worse, as you go in deeper and deeper, the bodies get younger because you find more bodies laid out. Like this, they turn this into a crypt. It's when you get to the if you if you're if you're patient enough and you're willing to, to walk the kilometer or so it would take, you'll find that the 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 body that's deepest is the youngest. It may only be a hundred years old, which means the natives are vesh. And if you look at the vesh, it doesn't look the same. It's definitely mutated. I mean, the vesh are. Were genetically, op- were genetically engineered, and they were born from vats. Mach- from so if they're breeding, they are probably they probably have what I would call a loose genetic code. So they've been mutating for life on this planet. So they're not exactly the same Vesh that they were when they started out. And, yeah, okay, which means they still are probably really good warriors, and they're just, are they waiting? Are they armed with weapons? Are they armed with spears? We don't know. Uh, that's the only way to find out is from the grave goods. And this is where you're doing your archaeology. You're doing it as fast as you can. <laughs> but yeah, that's one scenario. And you have other scenarios where you're basically doing, where you are the jacks and jumpers. Hey, we can always play the other side of the team. But yeah, but there's plenty of, there's plenty of adventures. I mean, if you're running a colony example, you make that, you know, you the GM make that role and realize, ooh, so what, what happens to the colonists when the arche- ar- when the archaeologists show up and start shoving them away from their find, that's a, pers- a perfectly viable scenario. We found it It's ours, not yours, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's pretty much. I mean, w- w- when you're doing this sort of thing, this is thing, you think it can, oh, it can be, you know, dry as bones. Now, take your tip of the hat from uh, our our most fa- our favorite cinematic uh, archaeologists. Harry Steele. I'm sorry, no. Indiana Jones. Sorry, I had to get a little dig about the Secret of the Incas, which is basically Indiana Jones, only with Charlton Heston. But anyway, yeah. But Indiana Jones, I mean, basically, you can have lots of Avengers you know so instead of Nazis you have Hagoni to deal with or you got uh or you got some corporation who's trying to muscle in on your dig or you or you're trying to get stuff from a from a corporate dig that, that they shouldn't have there's plenty of adventures you can have and yeah you you your, when you at least when your characters will need a degree in xenoarchaeology archaeology to, to have them but yeah it's a, it's a, it's a great way to add information and expand the uh Uh, the universe of your game, and it it gives you, uh, well, as you said, we're not the first ones here. They were always, were forerunners, and not everything the forerunners leave behind are innocuous dead things. Yeah, so, (laughs) dig carefully, you know, make sure you carry a gun, and keep looking over your shoulder. But until next time... Yo, brothers. This was the tri tech Games Podcast. You know the drill, it's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry
1: butts, cause we're some bad mothers.